Well, good morning, beautiful family. How are we doing? All right, good to see you. Hello at the back. <laughs> Very good. Good to see you. So Sarah's um, has just kicked us off and said, we're doing a new uh, mini-series next four weeks uh, called What Would Jesus Undo? You've heard of What Would Jesus Do? Uh, this is What Would Jesus Undo in the next four weeks. Uh, so I'm doing Indifference today. Lance next week is talking about hypocrisy. Uh, Sarah's talking about hollow worship. And then John's closing us off with spiritual pride in four weeks' time. Um, and I was talking to Lars, and I said, you know, this, uh, what would Jesus undo? That WWJD was a big thing, wasn't it? I mean, I said, there's a marketing opportunity here. I mean, unfortunately, the wristbands haven't turned up, but the T-shirts have. So if you'd like a WWJU T-shirt, uh, available £25 at, at the Connect Corner, proceeds are going to our overseas mission to Qatar in November and December this year. So if you'd like to come and join us, that'd be great. Uh, so we're talking about what would Jesus undo? And today I'm talking about indifference. What would Jesus undo indifference? Um, so back in the day, I was a bit of a lovey uh, in the sense of we had a uh, youth, I don't know, I was unique in this, it doesn't seem to happen much now, but uh, our youth group had a drama group. Anybody been in a drama group when they were younger? Maybe in a drama group now. Uh, anyway, and we used to do various sketches and stuff at uh, church services in various places, prisons, stalls, anybody who that was, really. It was quite funny. Um, but uh, there were a number of professional theatre companies at the time. Anybody heard of the Salt Mine Theatre Company? Ever seen them? If you've been to Spring Harvest, you probably saw them. Anyway, we had a bit of a connection with them because the guy at our church was part of Salt Mine. So they used to come down and do... Uh, various sketches and stuff like that with us and uh, run evenings and stuff like that. And um, one of their sketches I realised has stuck with me for mm, lots and lots of years because I'm getting on a bit now. Um, and I was, it was kind of brought to mind uh, when thinking about this subject of indifference. And the sketch was this, basically. It was like um, the dragon's den for the devil, if you can kind of see the picture, the devil was sitting there uh, with a couple of his sort of lead demons. And these mini demons were coming in, presenting ideas of how they were going to distract the people. So the first guy comes in and says, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go amongst the people and I'm going to make them terribly rich. Uh, so they uh, realize they are no longer dependent on God, they're dependent on themselves and uh, that's going to distract them away from the Lord. And, of course, they talked about it and questioned it and said, well, what happens if they use their money for good and stuff like that? Anyway, so they, they, they rejected that idea. And then this other guy comes in and he says, he said, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sow unfaithfulness amongst all the people. And uh, what's going to happen is uh, I'm going to set... Uh, breakdowns in family and marriage relationships. I'm going to put husband against wife and wife against husband. Uh, family life is going to break down and they'll hate each other and ultimately they'll blame God for it. And, and of course the, the argument was, well, I'm just, it drives them back to, to Jesus. So that idea was rejected. And then this third guy came. This is the thing that I remember. This third guy came in. He said, he said, this is my idea. He said, I'm going to start a story amongst mankind that there's no heaven and there's no hell, and you've got as much time as you like to make your mind up about Jesus. There's no heaven, and there's no hell, and you've got as much time as you like to make your mind up about Jesus. And there was this silence, and the guy says, that's genius, that's brilliant, Let, let's do that. That's a great idea. And for me, that was quite prophetic, because it feels like that's where we are now as a society, 
that we've kind of got this view that, you know, we've got an alternative set of facts. We, in fact, we, it seems to me now that everybody's opinion counts. There's no, the individual opinion of somebody's never seemed to, to mean so much. And we, we've, we've surrounded ourselves with a huge diversity of ideas and beliefs. This huge chorus of, of sound of, of what we should think and how we should act and how we should live. And, and it's that sort of noise that's kind of cluttered in on us, is, is kind of crashed in on us to, to the point where we're confused about what we do believe. We're confused about what we should think to the point where we think, well, let's, we'll be indifferent to one thing or the other because we really can't make our minds up. That's page one, chapter one of the devil's book of tricks, the, the, the enemy's book of tricks and cheats, it feels like to me. And this cacophony of noise has driven us to a place where we no longer know the truth and we no longer stand by the truth. I read a, a survey of um, millennials in the States, uh, the millennial generation in the States, a lot of surveys seem to happen with them. And they were saying 74% of American millennials think all religions have equal value. 74% think all religions have equal value. And when you think about it, you think, how do we get to that point of view that everything is okay, that everything has got equal weight and equal value? That is not what we're called to be. That is not as the people of God, what we're called to be. What does God's word say? Let's have a look in Matthew chapter 5. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. If you've got a Bible in front of you, uh, feel free to have a look at that. As I always say, if you don't want to have one at home, then feel free to, to take that on with you. These are familiar words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, famous words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. This is what we're called to be. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives life to everyone, light, sorry, to everyone in the house. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Just, just have, as I read that through and I studied that through my preparation, I just noticed a couple of things I want to just share with you. First thing is this. Note it's the salt and the light. Not a salt. We're not a particular brand of salt or a particular type of light, we are the salt and the light. And what was salt used for back in the day? Well, you might say flavoring, that's partly true, I'm sure, but it was mainly a preservative. It was there to stop things going rotten, <laughs> frankly. And that's what you are. You are the salt of the, the earth. Jesus has put you on this planet to stop the world going rotten rotten. 
You are the light of the world, a city on a hill, a town on a hill, a beacon of hope. In a, in, you can imagine back in the day, there wasn't much light around, but a city on a hill gave some sense of direction and security and some kind of beacon of hope on a dark horizon. And that's what you are. You are the light of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The salt, the light. And notice the other thing. Notice the other thing that Jesus says. The salt is still there, but it's lost its effectiveness. It's no good anymore. It's worthless. It's lost its saltiness, Jesus says. It's lost its ability to do the job it was created to do. It no longer preserves. It no longer protects the light is still on but it's covered over under a bowl it's covered over in a small corner of the room it no longer gives light to the room so I have to join up the dots for you is that what we've become salt that hasn't really done the job that it was intended to do light that was hidden under a bowl light that's hidden in a corner and no longer gives light it's no longer that position of hope and security and direction for mankind you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world you are here to stop the world going rotten you are here to bring hope, to bring direction, to bring some sense of security and protection to this world. That's what Jesus calls us to be, right? And sadly, we've forgotten that. As Joel Houston said, Hillsong song, it's time we took the lampshades off. <laughs> Let his glory be revealed. It's time we took the lampshades off. We've got too quiet we become too dark and too covered over. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Stephanie Gertzinger's stuff, but she does a, a great album called Blackout, and there's a song on there. She says, Light of the World, it's the name we were given. We can't get away from the vision. We're cities on a hill. In a blackout, we illuminate the dark. Isn't that great? In a blackout, we illuminate the dark. That's what we're called to be. We will glimmer. We will glow. Church, we can't be indifferent any longer. We've got a world going rotten out there and a world that's groping around in the darkness and partly because the light isn't shining bright enough. It's covered over, sitting in a corner. Or the salt has lost a bit of its saltiness. It's no longer doing that preservation job that it was intended and birth to do. You are the light of the world. And there's a lovely quote from C.S. Lewis. If you've ever done the Alpha course, you'll hear this one. And, and, he, and he says this, I think it's just a great quote. He said, Christianity of its false is of no importance. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. Yeah. I think that's great. Christianity of false is of no importance whatsoever. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. 
The only thing it can't be is moderately, moderately important. The only thing we can't be is indifferent. It's either right or it's wrong. We've got a job to do or we haven't. It's black or white. Where are you sitting this morning? You feel uncomfortable. I, I, I was a bit reluctant to, sort of, to talk about this this morning, whether we should be speaking up about stuff. And then the chap that ultimately owns this building, the Archbishop of Canterbury, bless him, then speaks up about Rwanda in his Easter message. Did you hear that? I'm sure you did. Everybody uh, had a bit of a pop at him, poor guy. And I thought, good on you, mate. Good on you. Because here was a nation that, if you look back a little bit, I'm sorry to get a little bit political, but you go look back a little bit on this, and I did my digging on it, is six months ago we were complaining to the UN saying what a terrible record of human rights they had. And the next thing, we want to send half our refugees over there. Now, I'm, not being, I'm being slightly political there, but the fact that somebody like the Archbishop of Canterbury was prepared to say, this ain't good, <laughs> was speaking up into the darkness a little bit and just saying, I don't think this is a great idea. Look, I understand why we need to do something different. We're not, we're not starting a political speech here, but I understand why we need to do something different. Don't get me wrong. But whether that's the right solution, I don't know. But good on you, mate, owner of this building. Good on you <laughs> for speaking up and shining out into the darkness because I think the church has often become confused or even complacent of what we're here to do I want to show you one other scripture let's go to Revelation chapter 3 and this is a famous um, part of God's word it's a letter written um, well to by by Jesus to seven churches but this is the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3 and it goes like this. And I just wanted to just highlight a couple of things from this that will help us this morning, I hope. And it says this, again, if it's up on the screen if you want to track with me. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds and you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And just down to verse 19 then. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Thank God for the public reading of his word. A little bit of background to help us to understand that context a little bit, because there's a little bit of history here that just would just help us uh, better understand the words here. So this church, Laodicea, this place, Laodicea, was uh, a place between two other famous places, Colossae and Hierapolis, if I can get it uh, right. Um, and it was famous for having terrible water, okay? And uh, Colossae was uh, about, I think, about six miles further to the west, um, it was a town that got water down from the mountains. So it was quite famous for uh, refreshing, clean, cold water. You can imagine in a, in a hot uh, kind of climate, that was quite a, a, a thing, really, having clean, fresh, cold water down from the mountains. Whereas Heropolis had this spa um, water, this beautiful, hot water that was, had wonderful mineral qualities. And bear in mind, this is a, a Roman kind of era, 
They liked a spa bath. They really did. Uh, so they became quite famous for its spa baths. And it became quite famous for this beautiful, hot, um, mineral-rich water, which obviously uh, gave the town its kind of um, its fame. Unfortunately, Laodicea had neither. <laughs> it got its water, people were saying, geographers are saying, uh, probably from the same hot source, but it got moved in on aqueducts and various things. And the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. It was rubbish. It wasn't any good for a, a, a spa bath. And because it was full of minerals, it tasted disgusting. So it wasn't much good for that either. So Jesus' message here is, what, what are you calling your, you know, your, your direction to be here? What are you intended to be? I would that you were either hot, really useful was for a spa bath and a healing, or cold, really refreshing, but you're neither. You're, you're neither one thing or the other. You know, and there's this phrase that Jesus used of, of vomiting the water out of, out of his mouth, which is, you go back to um, sort of the children of Israel, that's the sort of where it talks about them being thrown out of the land in that kind of violent way. And, and so it's quite a heavy criticism. And basically Jesus is saying, just, just work out what you're called to be. Work out what your identity is. What are you called to be? Be one thing, be good at one thing or good at another, but be good at something. Don't be this mush of, of hot and cold water mixed together. It's really good for nothing, let alone anything. And that's what we're called to be. Good for something. Good for a purpose that God intended. That might be uh, different for each of us, right? Or different for each church. But, but what is our calling? What is God telling us to get involved with? I read an interesting quote just looking at this whole subject of indifference. And someone said, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And when you think about it, that's very profound. In fact, Mother Teresa said it. So the great sin of man is not, to, not the hatred, but indifference to his brothers. Are we indifferent? to what God is calling us to be? Do we know the truth? Do we stand on the truth? Do we have a relationship with the truth? Do we speak the truth like a light shining in a dark world? Do we declare truth as a preservative to, to prevent this world from going rotten? Because that is what we're called to be. The truth isn't an idea. The truth is, the world seems to think truth is a set of opinions or um, points of view or facts even. But we know the truth is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus says, you'll know the truth, me, and I will set you free. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. That's the truth. No one comes to God except through me. And in a week where we're reminded again of how cheap a currency truth is in our politics in particular at the moment, right? Are we people of the truth? Are we people who know the truth? Are we a people who are prepared to declare the truth? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. 
a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I don't know what your view about God's plan for the world is. And you might say, well, it's to, to save the lost. Well, what it is, right? Yeah, it is. Great, it is. But it's not just that. It's to change everything. It's the transformation of the whole of society. To redeem, to heal, to transform, to restore every single aspect of society. To just completely radically rethink business, arts, politics, sciences. That's what Jesus is calling us to be part of. The redemption of every single aspect of society. Not just save the lost, change everything. You are the the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I expect like... uh, like me, you've been fascinated just gathering as much information you can about the Ukrainian crisis and the war there. And one of the things that's most remarkable is how this kind of, well, not being too disrespectful, but, but how this smaller nation, how this you know, perhaps less equipped army is able to resist this mighty war machine. And, and what's been the thread all the way through? really, of why the commentators are saying they, the Ukrainians have been successful defending their nation. It's because they've had a purpose and a passion. They've had, you know, that kind of, that grist on their side that says, you know, they're, they're invading our nation, they're, they're, they're ruining our life, our society. Uh, and and they fought against guys who haven't got any passion of why they're doing it, or so our commentary seems to suggest. Uh, and they're fighting against conscripts, conscripts, people who have, have got into this thing by sort of <laughs> by by default, it seems, rather than by design. And I thought, what a wonderful met- metaphor for us that is, right? Careful, don't want to get on Boris Johnson territory here, comparing these things <laughs> together. But here we go. Um, but yeah, because we, if we have a passion and a, and a purpose, we can blow in Christ's name. Loads of things out of the way, all right? Because we, we've got the drive, we've got the passion, we've got Jesus on our side. We need to be that salt, and we need to be the light. Are you with me this morning? There's a couple of things. I just, um, I'm just, not sure what I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm asking you to respond to what Jesus is speaking into your heart, Holy Spirit speaking into your heart this morning. But I would say this. There are plenty of things going, out, going on out there that are rotten in society. I was reading, um, uh, I don't know if you again saw the news article on it, Savage Avid was speaking up about this uh, gender, identi- identify, can't even read it, gender identity development service. This was a, uh, an organisation that got set up to help our, our kids, our under-16s, explore and experiment with their sexuality, whether they should identify different to their birth sex. And, and as a society, we've, we've let this happen. This, I, I don't know when we agreed to do this. We thought it was okay to, to teach our kids and lead our kids this way. Sorry to, again, be a little bit political about it. But, but when, when did that happen? When, when did we agree that was a good idea? Where was the salt and light in all of that? Where was the truth in that? 
And they reckon now, in the last 10 years, the number of kids being referred to this GIDS service, this Gender Identity Development Service, has risen by 2,500% in the last 10 years. I thought it was horrific when I read that. And I'm saying, bless him, I mean, maybe I was because I was praying about it a little bit, Savage Javits actually said, you know, we need to look into this because it's got a bit out of hand. And I think it's just, again, it's front of Parliament at the moment. Um, there's, a, um, uh, there's an act going through, the Online Safety Act. I don't know if you've, again, you've heard about this. Uh, where they're trying to put a last, put some control on the internet a little bit. And one of the bit of research I looked at this, is, so they reckon porn has been on the internet for 22 years unprotected. 22 years People can just go on and, and, and kind of look at all kinds of horrific images. And it's only just now, 22 years later, we're thinking about putting some kind of mechanism. I mean, uh, uh, you know, some way uh, with, with a credit card they're suggesting or a driving license where you pr- have to prove your age to get onto a website. And I kind of said, said Lord, what, how did we let that go for 22 years? What, what damage is that? How, how have we ruined society by letting that happen? Where was the salt and light? How did, we, how did we nod off and let that happen? How did I nod off and let that happen? And there was a story of a little girl called Molly Russell who was obviously, bless her heart, uh, submitted or allowed to see things that she shouldn't have been allowed to see she um was saw some images of how to self-harm and then commit suicide on on instagram and she lost her life at 14 years old how did we let that happen how do we not be salt and light about that sorry to be passionate about it but it's heartbreaking and there's story after story after story i've read about that this week because perhaps we weren't salty enough or because we perhaps weren't bright enough, we didn't shine enough. I don't know. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that's what happened, right? This is, we've allowed this to happen. You're the salt of the earth. Do the salt loses its saltiness? How can it be made salty again? Thank heavens I know a God who can. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town, a city on a hill. In the same way, let your light shine before others, church, that they may see your good deeds and glorify, perhaps they see his good deeds, right? And glorify your Father in heaven.